98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Burns and Gambo. Can we talk about Vance Joseph now and not do the math thing, please? Oh, my God. Move the two over two places to find 1%. Also, going from $400 million to $2 billion is a 500% return. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay. It's not an 80% I, I, return. As soon as I sat down and I didn't have to do a radio show, I'm like, oh, yeah, duh. Of course. I got it now. But I just, on the air, my brain's kind of locked up. Anyway, welcome back. Five o'clock hour of the Burns and Gambo show as we attempted to solve the Suns financial sale problem. Instead, we're going to talk about Vance Joseph's linebacker problem. In particular, why Isaiah Simmons had reduced snaps against the Vegas Raiders. He spoke on that today. My biggest challenge is to get the right people out there versus the right people. You know, and that's that's going to be our challenge each week. But he played his butt off. He had a great week of practice after the Chiefs game. He was he was intentional in practice. He had great meetings and he, he played his butt off. Outside of the two plays he made at the end, he played really well in that game. You know, Waller's a big-time target, and he held him down on third downs for us. But the two plays he made at the end of the game, no one can make them on our team but him. And as far as the lack of snaps that Isaiah Simmons got? It was strictly game plan. My biggest challenge is to get the right people out there versus the right people. That's going to be our challenge each week. But he played his butt off. I mean, he had a great week of practice after the Chiefs game. He played really well in that game. It was strictly... A game plan issue. Yeah, sure it was. Sure it was. I have difficult time yeah. believing. It was just game plan. You know, That's we just was. We thought that there were better guys that better options out there. Now, I'm not buying that. I think that there was a message to be sent to Isaiah Simmons. You give the guy the green dot. He's your guy all camp long, and all of a sudden you turn on him after one week. I, I think I think it's more about preparation and making sure you're ready and doing everything you can to be ready to play that next game, and I think that's why they limited his snaps, and I think his snap count will go right back up in this next game against the Rams. I would imagine, too, and I, and I respect that Vance Joseph is trying to protect his guy, protect his player, you know, by by saying anything other than that, you know, he leaves open the suggestion that, that there was some sort of punishment or that he was being, you know, hey, you, you didn't work as hard as you needed to work, so we're going to cut your snap count. And he, he wants to protect his guy so he can continue to get the most out of his guy, but actions speak louder than words, and when you're as bad as Isaiah Simmons and the defense was against Kansas City, and then the next week you get only 15 snaps, it's just not that tough to kind of figure out no. what happened, right? You just kind of read between the lines and you See, the, the question becomes, what happens next? Did he, Has he done enough in the Raiders game, and did he do enough in practice last week and next to resume a more normal 90% of the snaps this week against the Rams? I would say yes. We're all going to be watching to see how often yeah. number nine is on that field on Sunday to see Let's if see. he's earned his rollback. You, you punish guys because they're not doing things, but you also got to reward guys. And if a guy goes out there and makes a play like that, you reward that guy. He goes out there and plays really hard in those snaps, okay. You know, listen, you don't have to send messages all the time. If, if, if you have to send messages all the time, he's not the right guy for the team. Yep. Okay? Oh, Trade him and get sure. rid of him. Yep. If you've got to consistently send messages to a guy, that's not the right guy for you. You're either failing or he's failing. It's just not working. Move on. But a couple of messages here and there you might have to do. But, you know, you don't need to send a message last week and then send a message this week. And then, no, get him back on the field. And, and, and you, you, you did what you had to do. You limited, for whatever reason, you limited his snaps. And he went out there and he played hard. And he made an incredible play to help you win the football game. Now play him. And you hope it's enough. Now, on the other side of the equation is Avon Collins, who 
wore the green dot last week. And Vance Joseph said the difference between Zavin and Isaiah is that Zavin has a very clearly defined role on the football team. I think I think Zavin's role is always clear because he's a, he's an inside backer. You know, Isaiah's a hybrid. He plays some safety nickel. He plays he plays dime for us. So it's always going to be week to week with Isaiah where he plays. Okay, that's why he was drafted. That's his position. That's his body type, and that's that that's a challenge for us each week where to put him so he can make plays to help us win. And last week it was it was a good deal for him and us. I just can't get over the irony of it. How the one guy who seemed like the sure thing out of Clemson coming into the NFL as the eighth pick overall in the draft, like this can't miss guy who's going to be unbelievably impactful defensively. Here we are. He's in his third year. He's got a year's head start on Zayvon Collins to make an impact. And yet we're talking about the unsure thing out of Tulsa that a lot of people thought was a reach at number 16. And here he is going into with one year behind Isaiah Simmons. And he's the guy that they feel like they can count on more at this point. He's the guy who's more comfortable in his role. And I get I and on this one, I agree with Vance Joseph. I think he's making a good point here. Zaven, we're asking you to do one thing and one thing only. We need you to be the mic backer on this football team. We we need you to be the inside yeah, linebacker. Isaiah could play slot corner. He could rush. He could cover tight ends. He could cover wide receivers. He could drop into coverage. He can rush the passer. He can stop the run. You are asking a lot more for, him, for yeah, Isaiah. It is yeah. complicated as being, and I'm not trying to suggest being the mic linebacker isn't complicated. It is. But that's the only thing you're asking of Zaven. You're asking Isaiah to do a lot, so maybe it's reasonable to think that Zayvon would pick up on it faster than Isaiah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that's probably true, but I, you know, a lot of this is to, you know, once you get past a certain amount of time, it's like you gotta you know, do or die, right? I mean, you're either gonna make it in this league or you're not gonna make it, and the feeling is that uh, that both of these guys are good players and they're both gonna make it, but maybe, you know, it's how much you want it, you know, and that's, you know, one, one of those guys may want it a little more than the other one. Maybe that, that could be the difference. Maybe, maybe. And we, you know, we're two games in. Let's see where we are five games in. Let's see where we are eight games in. Let, let's see where Isaiah Simmons is after this week. I, I still believe both can be very good, impactful players in this league. But given how controversial the picks have become and the off the ball linebacker and needing them to succeed, you know, you, you, at the minimum, you need one of them to become an impactful player. If they both don't, I think you can live with them both not being that. You need to have one of them be that, I believe. Impactful? Yes. Well, like... You need one to be like a dominant player. I need one to be very, very good. Okay. You know, like you miss on draft picks. It happens. The Cardinals can't afford to miss on both of these picks. I agree. One of these players needs to be great at what they do. You don't think both of them do? For it to be... No, I don't. Okay. I don't. I, I don't think they both have to be elite and great and multiple time pro bowlers for this thing to No. I think one of them does. I don't think both of them do. Do you disagree? I think one one more on this. Do both of these guys have to get second contracts to justify the draft picks? Because you know how I feel about that. Um, if you don't pick up the fifth-year option on one of these guys, I mean, usually that's that the is the, the telltale sign that you failed mm-hmm. or succeeded. 
But because they're both so similar, you know, because they just want one of them. Yeah, okay. I, 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 All right. You can stick with that. That's fine. I, yeah. It's, it's, I, I feel like you're okay as long as one of them works out at a very, very high level. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'll rethink and wish that I hadn't said that. But I, at right now, that's kind of where I'm at. I feel like one of them needs to be great. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, Sean Aguano is getting ready to coach his first ever game as the head coach of ASU football. How different will things look on Saturday? We'll talk about that coming up on the Burns and Gambo show. 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Burns and Gambo. Earlier today, we had ASU interim football coach Sean Aguano on, and um, after Gambo told him that he was his wife's government teacher at Chandler High School. Zero-something. Zero-hour. Zero-hour government teacher. And Chelsea, for for credit, for... um, uh, she she was the team manager as a freshman and as a sophomore, just for, for the extra, football team. For extra credit school, so. you got like uh, charity hours or something like that yeah. for doing it. Yep. So you're you're it's already a Made lock. It. You're rooting for this Sean Aguano guy. You're, you're you you kind of yeah. have to if you he was to, one of your yeah, you wife's wanna, teachers. Want to see something else I did that's stupid today? <laughs> you know what? At this point, honestly, we could make a list. Read the top. Oh yeah, I saw that earlier. I, I wasn't gonna you know. <laughs> I thought it was W-O-L-V-E, Wolf. He's a Chandler Wolf. Tell everybody what I'm laughing at. Their name is the Wolves, W-O-L-V-E-S. So I just took the S off. I made him a Wolf. Wait, that wasn't a typo? No, no. I thought it was Wolf. He thought it was Chandler. I thought it was W. It says Wolves. The W-O singular of Wolves was W-O-L-V-E and not W-O-L-F. I saw it. Gambo, I'm not going to lie to you. You've been having a rough day today. I was really just trying to go easy. Get me a mocha! I saw that <laughs> Jello like, cup. Boss? Jello cup. Because I, I yeah, saw that tweet. I'm like, I, yeah, I'm, I'm just, just going to delete it. Salt like, into the wound. If I'm not a really good speaker. Chandler I talk Wolves. for a living. Yeah. So Chandler Wolves, W O L V E S. If you're just talking about one wolf, you, it's not W O L V E. You tweeted out a picture of, of yeah. the coach, and you yeah. said Chandler Wolf in the house. Well, there's a wolf in the house. Yeah. yeah. And, I guess. It's, have you gotten a little blowback on social media about that? Yeah, because people it's, are like... Twitter's such a forgiving place. I'm, I'm glad sure I'm not the only one who caught that. Still love you, Gambo. Since a Gambo, I wasn't sure if he misspelled wolf or forgot the S on wolves. This is actually the second time I couldn't let it slip. I guess I did it once before. Oh, well, it, it's... Oh, I, I didn't yeah. notice it the first oh, time. There's the first time. Let's see. My wife, Chandler High grad, will be a happy... Happy a wolf it's, is taking over. God, I Will be happy a wolf is taking over. It's been a rough day, Campbell. Let me tell you something. I'm I you will never work with anybody less smarter. You will never work with anybody less smarter than me. It's the truth. Oh, I can't even I don't even know what the plural the, wolves is. The fact that you well, just singular, phrased that singular. The fact that you just phrased that sentence the way you did is yes. kind of proof that you're right. You just sort of proved your own theory right there. Why? That was, I, that was I correct. I will not work with anybody work less, with anybody smarter, less than you. smarter than me. You'll never work with anybody less smarter. 
Is that not right? <laughs> I don't think that's right. Like, yeah, let's just end the show. <laughs> just, this, <laughs> we honestly, just we end the show. We've just, got bonus birds again. Good night, everybody. Play it. Just 6.30, Mike. Just goodbye. Like, honestly, like, I just got to go home right now. I'm not having a good day. The boss won't even get me a freaking mocha. Bitch, you work till 6.30 every day. Good night, everybody. I don't even know what had to. I don't even know how to turn wolves into wolf. <laughs> and this guy caught it. He's like, I'm glad I caught it the first time. I like. <laughs> we work with a guy called Wolf. We, we do. It's true. I just thought Wolf's would have been W-O-L-L-F apostrophe S. You know what? I, I really feel as your co-host of 11 years, it's my responsibility to save you now. Can I play some Sean Aguano sound bites here so we can, you just know. end the show. Well, we can't. We're, we're contractually obligated to stay here for a while longer. Sorry. You all right? You go, can, just go. Do you the make show. It? I can uh, do the show. Do okay, the show without me. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll listen. Sean Aguano, um, when, when asked the question if he's going to loosen up the offense a little bit, this is the one that was getting the most play from our interview with him earlier. He said, I'm not a conservative guy by nature. I have all confidence in my my offensive um, coordinator, Glenn Thomas, and my defensive coordinator, Donnie Anderson. Um, I'm going to give you this without giving away too much. I'm not a conservative guy. Okay. Nice. And so um, uh, uh, you can read between the lines on that one. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm an aggressive guy, but uh, making making sure that it is calculated risk. One of the main complaints about this offense this year under Herm was just how conservative they were, how slow they were, how deliberate they were. Down they were. And, with th- and they're lining up in a freaking huddle with three and a half minutes left in the game. Yes. Needing to score twice. Yeah. And they're lining and you're going into a huddle. Like, let's take 20 seconds off the clock while we... What are you doing? Right. Herm's in, like, I mean, Herm, Herm totally just lost it. I mean, he, he did. He lost it. I mean, it was, this team needed to do this just, just for the kids' sake. So they'll play faster. They'll play better. This is a, this is a, this is a very good coach. Four championships at Chandler High. Four championships. Won a lot of football games. Very well respected in the state of Arizona as a great coach. Now, different level at the college, but he's been doing this for three years as a running backs coach. I think he's going to help this offense quite a bit. You asked him a question, and I'm glad you did because I had been thinking about this too for the last couple of days there was a report in the athletic a couple of days ago from Doug Haller suggesting that maybe coaches at ASU were leaking information to opponents because they were wanting to get Herm Edwards out of there and not coach of ASU anymore yes you asked Sean Aguano about that I have not heard about it and uh, in, in regards to any of the negativity out there uh, that affects our team um, I, will, I will never bring that into our team um, our, our main deal right now is to make sure that so we give positive, have a positive impact on these kids, uh, and making sure that they're ready for Saturday. So I don't uh, pay attention to that. Uh, I make sure my kids don't pay attention to that. So that is never mentioned in any of our um, meetings at all. That was a tough report to read, by the way. We never really talked about that earlier this week. That was a tough report to read to think that sure, that they were giving away information. Yeah, I mean, for lack of a better way of putting it, that's sabotage, right? Beat uh, us and get our coach fired, please. Tay, put us out of our misery. That was the suggestion. Yeah. Well, listen, I mean, honestly, if I was him, I would try. I, I don't want those people in my program. So I would want to. That's why I asked them. You're going to root that out. You know, you're going to you're going to find these. I would want to find out who they were. Who is giving away information? I don't care. I don't care if you're the best player on the team. You're gone. You're gone. Yeah. So now he said he doesn't didn't know anything about it. But even it, like, I, listen, I did it for the good of the team. You're gone. I can't have you. I can't trust you. So if I, things go bad and we lose the first three games with me as a coach, you're going to do the same thing? You're going to give out because you don't want me? 
I would want whoever that is, whoever those people are that were giving out information to the other team, they need to find those people and they need to kick them out of the damn program. If they're a coach, a player, whoever they are, they need to find out who those people are and get rid of them. Here's more Iguano and what kind of mark he wants to leave on this program. Paying attention to detail. Uh, I, put, I put a lot of uh, stamp on my expectations that are minimum standards of making sure we check in in the morning, taking, making sure that everybody's five minutes early to team meetings. All of those things that I think maybe have caused uh, um, some um, undiscipline on the field. So, so from a foundational standpoint, I wanted to make sure we take care of that and then make sure that uh, our kids are having fun and, uh, and inspiring them and having positive practices. Look, everything about Sean Aguano gives you something to root for, right? 100%. Local yeah. guy, mm-hmm. success, high school coach. Uh, it, it's, it remains to be seen if there's something he can do this year to convince the powers that be that he should get the permanent job. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a tall, uphill climb for him to show that, given the schedule, the situation, the roster, the circumstances, the investigation, all of it. But, uh, let's, but give him a chance, I oh, think. Oh, of course. Right? And there's no reason to not give him a chance, Okay, right? what if he wins some games here? What if he wins one of these games coming up here? What two of these games coming up? You've got, what, Utah, USC, and then Washington. Right. What if he wins two of those games? We, we, I mentioned that a couple of days ago. Even if he mentioned, even if he wins one of those games, I think we come in here the next Monday and go, "Hey, do we need to rethink this? You know, do we need to wonder whether he can actually win this job and earn this job and be the permanent guy?" I don't know. Can you I, get someone better? And I think that's. that's I hate to say this. Somebody better. I think that's actually the more important question here: is that they m- might not be able. To at least at first. Well, first of all, depending on the investigation, if they would ever wrap the damn thing up, you do want somebody that's passionate about the program. He's passionate, so that's that's a good thing. He's here. Like I, I wouldn't rule him out. The chances are they could probably find a more a a better experienced coach. But I think passion plays a role in this. Let's see what he does. We've got the Burns and Gambo Show podcast. You could subscribe right now on your iPhone or your Android. You'll never miss any of the shows. The Burns and Gambo Show podcast brought to you by Carol Royce, Keller Williams Realty, East Valley. Get a higher price selling your home. Get guaranteed offers. Go to higherprice.com. That's higherprice.com. When we come back, Cardinals, Rams in what looks to be somewhat lopsided. We'll tell you why next on the Burns and Gambo Show. 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Burns and Gambo. Alright, just real quick, I'm going to drop this on you first, then we'll talk about the Cardinals-Rams. Our buddy Espo, Greg Esposito. Yes. PHNX Sports. Okay. Um... Apparently, he Bill Simmons dropped his latest podcast today. We haven't had a chance to listen to it. I think it just came down today. I think okay. he just dropped it today. According, to, I'm just reading Espo's tweet verbatim. Greg, I hope you don't mind that I'm going to do this. Interesting to hear Bill Simmons say that one of the reasons Robert Sarver decided to sell was in part because Michael Jordan was about to come out and demand that he leave the league. That Michael Jordan was about to come out and demand that wow. Sarver leave the league. Okay, that's what Bill Simmons that's is what, saying. I, that's apparently if I'm if okay, I'm we, reading we Espo talk right about this for a little bit. Yeah, now. if I'm reading Espo right, then that 
is what yeah. Bill Simmons has. And if, if anybody out there listening has listened to Bill Simmons' podcast and can confirm that, maybe send us a tweet or something on the Burns and Gambo Twitter account. So he account. said one of the reasons he decided to sell was to be Michael Jordan to the punch because Jordan was going to ask that he leaves the league. Yeah. Interesting to hear Bill Simmons say that one of the reasons Robert Sarver, the Suns, decided to sell in part because Michael Jordan was about to come out and demand he leave the wow. league. Wow. Okay. That's an owner. Yeah. I mean, that's that's an owner. An owner and the most high-profile player in the history of the NBA. Yes. You know? I mean, that's it's it's hard to it's hard to do much bigger and better than that, you know, when Michael Jordan says that. And Bill Simmons is obviously super-duper dialed in. And, and I guess, from what I understand, Bill yeah, Simmons— hmm? I'm just, I'm just looking. There are no stories out there about Michael Jordan and the Suns. Like, if you just go type in Michael Jordan in Google, tit news— you know, there is there's nothing out there. There's something about the relationship with his daughter. He is not a god. He makes mistakes. His struggles were made public by daughter Jasmine in a humble admission. Dennis Rodman reveals in what shape he was when Jordan knocked on his door in Vegas. But there's nothing about him and the sons. Yeah. So uh, that's something to just kind of put in our backpack. Again, I, I have a lot of trust with Greg Esposito. He, uh, I would imagine he listened to that podcast, and that was something that Bill Simmons said. And, um, yeah, his, okay, 48 minutes ago, Bill Simmons tweeted out a link to his latest podcast, and he one of the first topics he brings up, according to his tweet, thoughts on the Celtics scandal and the Suns sale. So he addressed it today in a podcast that just dropped today. And I'm guessing Greg just got done listening to it. So that's that would have been a very influential part of the equation. Certainly. If would it have been enough to at some point, at some point, and we don't know the answer to this. Adam Silver comes out and he announces the punishment. Ten million dollar fine, one year suspension. Robert Sarver's okay with that. He's okay. I'm going to atone. I'm going to live, you know, own up to my mistakes. I'm going to work on getting better and being able to come back a better person, all of this stuff. At some point, something tipped the balance over to I'm going to sell. At some point. Now, what we know, what transpired is that you had Chris Paul said something, LeBron James said something, Draymond Green said something. Mm -hmm. Okay, the uh, NBA Players Association executive said something. The sponsors, you had a sponsor. One sponsor would have said something that could have pushed you over the top. That was PayPal. John Najafi said something with one of the owners. One of those things, one of them tipped it over the edge. We don't know which one, mm-hmm. but there is because when Adam Silver announced it, he was good. He was he was good. He, he he expected to ride out the year, work on some things, try to be a better person, come back and run the organization. That was when Adam Silver announced it. A week later, was it a week? Eight days later. Eight days later, he's going to sell the team. A week later, yeah. But something. I, I, one thing had to be like, okay, that's it. I'm done. That's it. I can't do this anymore. I just can't do it. Maybe you took the first gut punch. John the Joffe had to expect that. I know he was going to say something. They don't like each other. They like you had to know that he was going to say something. Okay, so that's okay. All right, LeBron said something. Okay, I can handle that. Maybe it was the PayPal thing. Maybe it's Draymond. Maybe he heard that Michael Jordan was going to come out again. Something pushed it over the top. We don't know what that is. Yeah, but something did. Just one. 
one thing, not not the culmination of the, one thing pushed it over to the top to be like, okay, I can't do this anymore. I believe Windhorst speculated on that this morning with Bickley and Murata and had said that he thinks the two things that might have pushed this over the top were one, the NBA Players Association executive director saying, we demand Robert Sarver be removed. That that was one. And number two, it was Draymond Green calling for a vote. Like, let's find out what owners really want to keep this guy around. And just put speculation. It, it, yeah. Just thinking what it could be. Me and you could do the same thing and say, what do you think it is? But this, this, this changes the... This changes a, well, a little bit. If Michael Jordan's uh, going to come out and say, you got to go. I mean, they're all billionaires, right? It, it, and they all have an equal, they all have, in theory, an equal vote and an equal say and an equal pull in all of this. But let's be real. Michael Jordan has far more influence as an owner in this league than most of the other owners. do. He might not have as much money. He might not have the same net worth as a Mark Cuban or a Steve Ballmer or somebody like that. But in terms of influence, in terms of his ability to to where words matter, right? We talked about that yesterday. Words yeah. have power. Mm-hmm. Michael Jordan's words on this topic, if that's indeed what he was prepared to do, as Bill Simmons apparently suggested on his podcast, that wields a great amount of power. A great amount of power. If he was ready to do that. I don't know. I, now I'm, and do you think by coming out and saying, I'm going to sell the team, stopped him from saying anything? Perhaps, because now I didn't have did. to. Now you don't have to say anything. You don't have to say a word now. You know, you don't have to. Um, it's I'm I'm curious to hear what Bill. Ha- I, I imagine we'll talk more about this tomorrow. I'm curious to hear what he had to say. You know, I, again, he just dropped the podcast, so I haven't had a chance to listen to it yet. But I'm curious what else he had to say about the sale of the Suns and how influential other people might have been. I, you know what? I think you're right. I think you're absolutely right. Unless there's something like this behind the scenes that happened. Clearly, there was a breaking point moment in all of this story. Yeah, better said by you, breaking point moment. And, and something that tipped the scales. And what was it that broke it? What was it that just, you know what? It wasn't LeBron. Thought, forget it. It wasn't LeBron because that was quick. It wasn't John the Jaffe. But something, something made it not worth it anymore to put up this fight. Yeah. Since we're talking about Suns here, and, and we'll we'll have the Cardinals conversation in the next segment. Sorry, Mitch, we're just kind of uh, winging it here. I will bring up Boyan Bogdanovich here because okay. we were going to bring that up in the next segment. Let's yeah. talk about it here for another minute or two. Um, and that is his, de- not his decision, but the Jazz's decision to trade him to the Detroit Pistons in a very underwhelming deal that looked like if the Suns wanted to do better than it, they probably could have done better than it. And they didn't. They chose not to. Yeah, the other day I was told that it's unlikely the Suns are going to be able to get him. Don't rule it out. You can never rule it out because you just never know. But it was unlikely there were other teams that had better offers out there. None of those offers had first-round picks in them. So the Suns must have been reluctant to give up a first-round pick. Now, I think the Jazz, with all the first-round picks they have, I still think that they wanted for... I know that they wanted first-round picks. I know that that's what they wanted was first round picks. They end up taking a deal and they get a couple of players back. And, you know, we'll see. Kelly Olnick played for Ainge when he was in Boston. So Kelly Olnick's an, and he's a player that, you know, not a great contract that you could move. Like you could move. I'd have to see what how long he's under contract for. But Kelly Olnick's a guy you would think that at the trade deadline, you know what? I could probably move Kelly, Kelly Olnick if uh, if I have to. So you're always looking for those things, too. He's on a three-year, $37 million deal. He is, uh, this is the last year of his contract. So he's an expiring contract. Mitch, you're the money man in this segment. He found it. 
He found the cut from Bill Simmons' podcast. Oh, look at you. This look is, at you. Good job, Mitch. Good job. This is from the BS podcast. Bill Simmons, all credit to him for saying this. Um, it's a minute long. Let's play it. Want to hear it. Go, Mitch. Everybody wanted the same end game. They wanted this guy to sell. So how do you do that? You have the most visible players in the league come at him. You have sponsors pull out. You have other owners lobbying him like, hey, you, you know, this is, you don't want to go out this way, man. And in the rich guy circles, they had, I think, a labor meeting this week. And, you know, in the rich guy circles, they they can approach that a little differently. And they could be like, hey, you know, you can make a lot of money. Just get out. What do you want to be a punching bag for? And spin it a certain way. What I heard was there was one last piece, that a card that uh, the league was going to play where MJ was going to be the last piece to come out and implore Sarver to sell. And that would have been a death blow for him and hugely embarrassing for a bunch of different reasons. Um, that never had to happen, but it was going to happen. And I think once Sarver knew that Jordan was looming, after LeBron, after Chris Paul, after some of the other people, the minority owner, um, then that that was it. Wow. Would that have been the death blow? Um, guys, the most, the most iconic could, living athlete uh, right now. I was going to say the most recognizable professional right. athlete second Muhammad Ali, amongst yeah. us right now. Once right? Muhammad Ali died, he became, I think he became the most iconic, you know, living athlete. Yeah, I think it would have been enough. I think that would have been enough. And, and I, I, I think, I think if, right. if you needed, you know, and it sounds like that was there in case of emergency break glass kind of thing. Like, Hey, in case all of this other stuff isn't enough, all of this public pressure, hey, all the sponsor Saturday pressure, or Sunday, what are we going to do Monday? Right. Hey, yeah. It's like, okay, we've got, I've got this card. Don't make me play it. Cause I'll play it. I'll play it if I have to. Interesting. Well, that would mean that there were behind the scenes. Yeah. There yes. was a behind-the-scene push to do more than the $10 million fine and the suspension. Again, our thanks to uh, Bill Simmons and, Good job, and Mitch. the BS Podcast. And great job, Mitch, yeah, Mitch pulling that, that up. up. Look at him. Because uh, he had no idea I was even going to bring that up. I, I literally saw it 60 seconds into the segment. So Mitch had no idea I was even going to bring it up. I kind of sprung it on him. And he found that soundbite in a big hurry. We appreciate that. Now, when we come back on the Burns and Gambo Show, cards, Rams, and some stats that make you worry about this game a little bit on Sunday. We'll tell you about them next. Here on Burns and Gambo. 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Burns and Gambo, what's on tonight? Tonight, we've got Diamondbacks baseball, 7-10 first pitch. We'll go a little long today on the Burns and Gambo show with you till 6.30. Bonus Burns and Gambo. If you missed our interview with ASU interim head football coach Sean Aguano, we're going to replay that at 6 o'clock. And then we'll do D-backs on deck as well. So you got that on tonight. And then you've got Thursday night football week three, week two on Amazon Prime. Uh, again, they got great numbers. They got really good numbers. Our guy... Like- surprisingly yeah. like shocking numbers. Yeah, like our guy John Wilner yeah. uh, from Pac-12 Insider is like, if those are the numbers Amazon's going to get for Thursday Night Football, maybe the Pac-12 should consider doing an Amazon deal for their media rights. Like uh, he said, I'm sure the Pac-12 was very interested to see those numbers and was very happy, potentially, to see those numbers. Again, the negatives with it are the ability to change channels and watch something else and the Again, to me, the fast forward and rewind 
options on those those apps are very difficult. Thursday Night Football tonight is the Browns and the Steelers. A classic rivalry. Both teams one and one. End of the first quarter, the Browns are up seven to nothing. How they got there, I don't know. I'm looking. Do you know, Mitch, how they got there? It was an Amari Cooper touchdown pass. Uh, okay. Or reception. Amari Cooper touchdown pass from Jacoby Brissett for 11 yards. 7 nothing. Cleveland beating Pittsburgh. Amazon Memo says Thursday Night Football drew record number of prime sign-ups for a three-hour period. They paid about a billion a year for the exclusive Thursday Night uh, games, and they got a record number of sign-ups in that three-hour window. I was reading a very, very smart guy on Twitter who said, make no mistake, this is not about ratings for Amazon. Amazon's not doing this for ratings. They're doing it for that. Sign-ups. Sign-ups. They're doing it. They're doing it to get people to sign up to be Prime members. The Prime subscription program, which charges $139 per year for a host of perks, including free shipping, now has some 200 million subscribers worldwide. Yeah. There yeah. are 80 million active Prime video households in the U.S., but they have 200 million people that are subscribed to that service. Yeah. I was shocked to read, and this is a really smart, sharp business, sports business insider, who said it's not about the ratings for Amazon. I mean, they want ratings, of course, but they want signups. That's why yeah. they're doing this. You want a three-pack of underwear to, to your house by 6 o'clock tonight? <laughs> and I don't want to pay for shipping? You don't want to pay Amazon for shipping? Prime. There you yeah. go. Never mind the fact that... Uh, and apparently there was a great catch in that game, too. I need to go back and look at the video of it. But everybody on Twitter is just raving about a catch that went down in that game. All right, Cards-Rams coming up on Sunday. Let's go. And a, a, absolutely a game that we're all excited to see. Unfortunately... Some of the numbers, and they're just numbers, and it's early, and it's a small sample size. But we've got these six stats and facts to know about this game. And the first one right out of the gate is the heaviest one of them all. The Rams have outscored the Cardinals 335 to 162 under Sean McVay. And it's it's what we know. It's what we've yes. seen with our own eyes. Yep. They've dominated the Arizona Cardinals you know, for the most part. But in, what's incredible in it is not just, you know, it, it, it is. It's the average margin of victory. I mean, the narrowest victory against the Cardinals was seven points a couple of times. Other than that, it's been the Rams. Every game has been by at least 10 points, including five by at least 20 points. So it's been pure domination when the Rams have played the Cardinals outside of the one game that the, that the, that the Cardinals won last year. Third down offense. Okay. Cardinals are last in the NFL through two games. Small sample size, but they've converted only... uh, The Cardinals have faced the third down 25 times. They've only converted six out of those 25. Didn't didn't you look it up earlier? Six out of nine on fourth down. So they've converted as many fourth downs as they have third downs. Six out of nine. Much higher percentage, too. 66% compared to whatever six out of 25 is. 30-something percent. 30-something percent. Yeah. Um, Not sustainable. I mean, the third down or the fourth down uh, or both, both to a certain extent. I think you can maintain like a 50 50 with the fourth down if you want to. But but you can't you can't expect to compete when you're converting a third of your third downs. You're not going to last. No, you're not going to win a lot of football games. Small sample size. And I'm not that worried about that yet. The Rams are very good at converting third downs. But again, small sample size. We'll see third down defense. 
these are two of the worst teams in the NFL so far. Both yeah, of them. Small sample size, uh, but neither one of them has been very good about getting the other team off the field. Yeah, when you can in third thank down. the Bills and the Chiefs for that. The Bills <laughs> were nine out of ten in Week One, and I mean Kansas City didn't have a lot of third downs if I remember correctly. I don't think Kansas City had many third downs. They didn't. They were getting all their first downs on first They're, and second. Yeah, if I remember they, correctly, the Kansas City Chiefs did not face many third downs. The crazy stat about that game: they ran sixty-six plays. And had 33 first downs against the Cardinals. So basically, every other play, they were every getting the first play. down. Yep. <laughs> That's insane. That's so bad. It was so bad that first week. It was, it was bad. so bad. Cardinals are the only team to hold Cooper Cup under 92 yards since 2021. He's played 23 games since the start of the 2021 season. In 21 of those games, he caught at least six passes for 92 yards. The only two games he was held under that against the Cardinals in week four and against the Cardinals in the wild card round. The Rams did just fine without him in the he, wild card game. He did have 13 catches on 15 targets for like 122 yards the second time they played him. But he got targeted 15 times the second time they played him last year, and he had 13 catches on those 15 targets. The Cardinals have allowed the most points in the NFL. No team has given up more points in two weeks than the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, again, have. I don't want to read too much into that because the, look, the, the first six weeks were not, the first six quarters were not very good. But the last two quarters, quarters were phenomenal. They had a three and out, another three and out. They had a five and out. They forced a fumble. Uh, I think that's what, I think that's everything with the overtimes. They, they did great. Like the defense showed up and they play. Part of that's on the Raiders, but I, I think the Cardinals defense and what they did in the second half and in overtime against the Raiders, I think it really stands out. That continues to be my biggest question about the team. I know anybody who's listened to this show for even a month knows I've been talking about the defense a lot. Which version of the defense that we've seen is closer to real? The one we saw for the first six quarters of the season or the one we saw for the uh, last you two? You know the answer's probably... They're not as good as as what they did against the Raiders in the second half in overtime. And the Raiders had three points. Yeah. But they're also not as bad as what we saw, I think, early on. And, so, I mean, I think there's a middle ground sure there. There's a, but there's a lean, too, right? I, I mean, yeah, there's a middle ground. Towards, I would lean towards... They're not, I would lean towards the... They're not, as, they're not a good defense. I would lean that they're closer to the right. first six quarters than they are the last they have two one quarters. one sack and no interception. Yeah, I mean, it's not a great defense. You just, you know, I don't want it to be a bend but don't break defense, but I expect it to be better than what they were the first six quarters. But probably clearly not going to be as good as they were the last two. Yeah, the pressure against the Raiders, it was better. They didn't get the sacks. They only got the one from J.J. Zach Allen was getting a lot of pressure. I watched the cut-up of Zach Allen and some of his snaps. He was getting after it. He was the, the highest-rated Cardinal defensive player, too, right? He was the highest-rated highest rated Cardinal player. player. Okay. Overall, he was getting after it. you know who the lowest-rated player in that game was? Was it... No, I don't. It was Chandler Jones. <laughs> I thought you were talking yeah. Cardinals. Oh, the lowest rate. Yeah, the lowest. I thought you were talking player. just among the Cardinals. He was the lowest. You talking about Pro Football Focus? Yeah, the Pro lowest Football rate? Focus. The okay. lowest rated guy. Raiders lowest graded defensive player on Sunday is getting seventeen million per year against the Cardinals on Sunday. Chandler Jones played seventy eight defensive snaps to the tune of only two quarterback pressures and two tackles. Pro Football Focus graded Jones as the worst defensive player on the Vegas roster. Forty one point four grade. Wow. I knew he was bad. I didn't know he was that. No, bad. like, like this, this has nothing to do with my personal feelings for him. Like, there was no way they should have re-signed him. He's not good anymore. No. Use your aggressive feelings, boys. <laughs> Let the hate flow through you. 
Listen, obviously there's a beef between me and Chandler, rightfully so. But I had said before the beef, I wouldn't pay. Before the beef, the reason the beef started, I said I wouldn't pay this guy anything to come back like anything. He's no good. Yeah. He's no good. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just laughing at that cut because it's so, you are letting the hate flow through you right now when it comes to Chandler. Kingsbury bashes on Marco Wilson. <laughs> Campbell bashes on Chandler Jones. Look, if I get a chance to take a pop at Chandler Jones, I'll take a pop. <laughs> when it's, we shop, I get a you give me a, give me give me a reason to take a shot at you. I'll take a shot at you. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, yeah, we're coming back to the Burns and Gambo ASU. show. Exactly, we've got bonus Burns and Gambo. And no if you devils. missed our conversation with ASU's football interim head coach Sean Aguano, we'll play it for you next. Bonus Burns and Gambo is next. The home of Arizona Diamondbacks baseball is 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. We're checking in on the D-backs as they warm up for the game's first pitch. D-backs on deck, brought to you by 72 Sold. Get thousands more on your home with no inconvenience. Visit 72sold.com and by Sonic. This is how we Sonic. Stop by your nearest location today for the Sonic Chop House Cheeseburger. For a limited time, only at Sonic. Bonus Burns and Gambo, and we put a bow on this edition of the show today with D-backs on deck as the Arizona Diamondbacks and the L.A. Dodgers. Pre-game coverage right as soon as we're done at the bottom of the hour and then first pitch is at 7-10. For the finale in what is kind of an unusual five-game series for the Diamondbacks and the Dodgers. And for the Diamondbacks, a chance to win a series in Los Angeles for the first time since 2018. And and just a rare five-game series, right? There's not that many five-game series. The Diamondbacks have not played a lot of those, you know, in their uh, in their existence. So I thought I saw something about the last time they won one was a while ago to you know a five game series. So yeah, it's uh it's it it's been an interesting series. It started off really bad, but it looks like it's ending really strong. Yeah, with the win last night against the Dodgers, the Diamondbacks are now three and eighteen against the Dodgers in Los Angeles since the start of the twenty twenty season. Last night's win, the first time Arizona has won two straight games in L.A. since April 13th and April 14th of 2018, which was also the last time the Diamondbacks won wow. a series in L.A. It's been a while. It's been a while. That's kind of what's on the line you tonight. you the right guy on the mountain. I do yep. to get that done. I'm glad you brought it up because your pitching matchup is brought to you by Native Interiors. Your home, your way. Let Native Interiors, the flooring experts, match up your vision to your reality. Text FLOORS to 620-620. For the Dodgers, it's Julio Urias, 17 and 7, 227 ERA. Zach Gallon, 12 and 3, 252 ERA. Yeah, and I'm just looking at some of the numbers here, and Gallon has absolutely dominated some of these players. Uh, Freddie Freeman's 1 for 6 against them. Gavin Lux is 1 for 8 against them. Max Muncy's 1 for 14. Will Smith, 0 oh for 7. Justin Turner, 3 for 15. So he has had a lot of success. He's done extremely well the first time through the order, just a 165 batting average. But where he's really dominated is leadoff hitters. In 78 leadoff hitters faced, he's only allowed 12 hits. That's a 154 average. Yeah, he's been so good. He's been 
been so good. Uriish has one start against the Diamondbacks this year, came back in April, six innings, gave up one earned run, walked two, struck out four. He's having a very much Cy... Both of these guys are having very much Cy Young award-type seasons. I don't know if either one of them are going to win it or how many votes either one's going to get, but they are both... It's a tremendous pitching matchup on tap today. Yeah, and the Diamondbacks haven't fared well against him. I mean, Carson Kelly's 3-for-12, Cattell Marte's 4-for-18, Rojas doesn't have a hit, 0-for-4, Walker, Christian Walker's 3-for-17, Varsho's 3-for-13. I mean, not a lot of success on either side offensively against uh, these these two pitchers. No, not at all. Uh, For the Diamondbacks last night with the win that they got 6-1 and beating the Dodgers, it was a good night for Madison Bumgarner, and he needed a good night. It was one of his best starts in a long time. Six innings, gave up just the one run, the one walk, and the six strikeouts. He was he was very good last night, and we haven't seen a lot of very good out of Mad Bum lately. No, it's, it's, it's great to see because you've got him under contract for the last couple of years. So for him to allow one, one earned run or less in six-plus innings, the first time since, what we say, August 19th, I mean, that was that was really good for him. I mean, struck out five. Um, so it's only the fourth time that he's allowed two hits or less and struck out five-plus in a start of six-plus innings. So good good outing for Madison Bumgarner. Yeah, and, and good, aggressive baseball played last night by the Diamondbacks offensively, uh, going after the bases and tagging up the way they did. And it was a good night for Corbin Carroll, who was named earlier in the day the minor league player of the year by USA Today. Nice write-up from our buddy Bob Nightingale about Corbin Carroll. Good, aggressive baseball out of Jake McCarthy, who continues to be yeah. the guy I would buy a jersey of on this team. I, I, he's so much fun to watch. I really enjoy watching I listen, him he stole that base last night. I had to show him my kid. Yeah, I was reading something here from D-backs Facts. Uh, D-backs have a chance to win a five-game series. From what I could find, the D-backs have only played one other five-game series in franchise history. 2000. They played the Giants five times in four days. They won the series three to two. I have no memory of that. I trust them. A five-game series. D-backs facts. It's a it's a good Twitter account. D-backs usually, facts. In fact, I'm looking at a I'm looking at a D-backs facts. Um, a tweet from yesterday as well. Yesterday, the Diamondbacks became the seventh team since 1901 to win 70 games in a season after losing 110 the year before. Only seven teams have done it. Have gone, have won okay. seventy games or more the year after they lost one hundred and ten. Oh, the Baltimore Orioles are one of those teams. They, they also did it earlier this year. Yes. Yeah, as a matter of fact, that is that is true. On the farm, brought to you by Redbird Farms. You can't put a price on great taste. The Reno Aces in action tonight. They're taking on Las Vegas. That uh, game is coming up a little later on tonight. In fact, it's coming up in just about thirty minutes from right now. The only affiliate in action tonight. And the MLB standings, they're driven by trucks only. The Valley's number one independent dealer and home of the lifetime engine warranty. Diamondbacks starting the day today in the wildcard race. 12 games out of the final spot with 12 games to play. They're chasing the Philadelphia Phillies. Obviously, they're not going to get there. Always like to look at the playoff standings, though, for the rest of the league at this point. Your division leaders... The Yankees, the Guardians, and the Astros in the American League. The Mets, the Cardinals, and the Dodgers in the National League. Your wild card teams in the American League, the Blue Jays, the Rays, and the Mariners 
in the National League, the Braves, the Padres, and the Phillies. Brewers are now two and a half games back of the final playoff spot in the National League. Running out, of, running out of time. Yeah. But there's still, what, about 10 games left, I think? There so are 10 to 12. Time. Yeah, 10 to 12 games. And that's really pretty much the only compelling That's race, it. That's other it. than the Mets and the Braves, but whoever sure. doesn't win the division the is going to get spot. the wild card spot. Right, so that, that's that's really the only compelling race left. Let's get you a key to tonight's game. Listen, man, I need you to be the key master. I am the key master. D-backs keys to the game, presented by Mist America, home of the patented Mist 360 outdoor cooling system. Visit mistamerica.com today for a cooler tomorrow. Listen, I love when they run. When they run, they win. Varsho got his 12th stolen base last night. McCarthy got his 19th. They are second in baseball with 49 stolen bases after the All-Star break. I'm going to say that the key to the game is the D-backs have to continue to run. All right, the game is coming up here. That's going to do it for us. We're out of here. We will see you tomorrow. Straight up 2 o'clock right here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Have a great night, everyone. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go. Go.